<laughs> Welcome to Bits and Books. I'm Marty Stockman. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to let everybody go around the horn and introduce themselves real quick before we jump into today's book, which is They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. So around the horn, Chris, why don't you say hey? Hi, uh, Chris Dix. I'm the founder and developer of ChatStyle, a communications and automation software for MSPs. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle? Hi, I'm Kyle Spooner. I'm a director of operations for an MSP based out of Baltimore called Intellicom Technologies. And now I'm remembering I forgot my Santa hat that I said I would get. <laughs> Tim? <laughs> hey, Tim Golden, founder of Compliance Scorecard, where we solve the governance problem for MSPs. Excellent. Well, we're excited to be here chatting about They Ask You Answers. So if you haven't participated in Bits and Books before, <laughs> It's uh, what I would call a low pressure book club, because if you haven't read the book, I still think you can get something out of listening in um, and contributing to the questions because we're not just summarizing the book. We're really talking about how it impacts MSPs in the space. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've heard um, quite a few folks will reach out to me and say, like, hopping on a flight and I've downloaded your first two books. What's the next one you want to join along? So we know a lot of you are listening to it streaming. We appreciate that. If you ever want to join live, we're still low pressure. I know I always tease I was a teacher and give homework, but uh, I don't I don't assign any detentions on the call. So uh, <laughs> folks should join. Um, so we're going to give a little summary of the book. Then we've got some questions we want to talk about and really talk about how this applies for MSPs. So um, I did give Chris a little advance warning that I'm going to I'm going to put him on the hot seat for this. Um, so Chris, do you want to give just a quick, quick summary? What did, what did you get out of the book or what's a high level overview of the book? I think. Uh, sure. Yeah. And thank you for the, the heads up that you were going to call on me. I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, this is like only the third business book I've read in my life or something like that. But uh, so it it was it was uh, to me all about providing content, creating content to help answer your customers questions um, to eliminate any reason why they wouldn't want to work with you, buy from you, uh, talk to you, um, just doing uh putting all the information out there that is you know sometimes difficult for uh, a business to uh to to put out there or, or you're resistant to it's not your natural inclination to want to put the answers to some of these questions out there but that in doing so uh it, it eliminates the fears of the customer and uh and just you know it, it, it did a real good example of walking through some real world scenarios where that was true i mean it made me want to buy a car from carmax is one of the big takeaways for me that's where uh, my son works so yeah, yeah he oh, would nice. appreciate Very that cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he'll get his flat commission for you know that's that, 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 <laughs> uh, so, no, that's he, that's, he's it's a technician cool. so there's none oh, of okay. that <laughs> oh, okay so but still it's uh yeah it 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 just it was really nice to see these examples of, you know, answering customers' questions so that all that remains is trust, you know. Um, and uh, I thought that uh, I really enjoyed the book from that standpoint. So what I found interesting about it, um, and for those that don't have any background with it, is Marcus Sheridan owns a pool company. Mm -hmm. At least he did when he wrote the book. So that is how this whole thing started. And if you search, like, you know, you always want to believe that the author has the street cred to write the mm -hmm. book. And if you have any question about it, 
then right now just go search any pool question like what's the best vinyl pool covering you can get and and Marcus Sheridan is going to pop up as an answer because his mm -hmm. business almost went bankrupt and they just started producing content answering all of the pool questions if they i don't even remember at this point if they sold vinyl pools he would still answer a question about concrete pools if they sold blue pools mm -hmm. he would answer about red yellow green pools as well right it didn't matter he would answer all of the questions and is overwhelmingly the number one educator in the pool space so to chris's point when you build up that credibility and trust and you think mm -hmm. Who should I go to for a pool? You think the person that has been educating you on this for any period of, you know, an unlimited period of time. Um, so first up, I want to ask everybody what resonates. So Chris, you kind of gave us your piece. Um, Tim, what resonated the most with you in the book and why? Well, I think I tend to agree on like what you were talking about the pool, right? So as some of us veterans in the space, right, wanting to try to educate and be those thought leaders and put stuff out there, right? Being able to actually answer those questions that MSPs ask, that our colleagues ask, that our friends ask, um, you know, it was really insightful to be able to be like, I get these questions all the time. And in fact, I keep hearing the same question slightly worded over and over again. I should do a video or a blog or a thing, right? 100%, so to put it yeah. out, like, like, while I might not be the, you know, the authority on pools, quote, quote, you know, but I would certainly have something to share, at least in my experience over the last 20 years of dealing with this stuff. And so I just love how, like, it's so simple, like, answer the question, right? And put it out there, like, don't be afraid to put it out there, right? Yeah. So. I just, you know, there was a lot of great key takeaways from the book. I think the biggest one or whatever for me was don't be afraid to put it out there. You know, everybody's going to have opinions, but at least start the conversation and have that thought leadership going. Kyle, how about you? Uh, so I'm going to preface this uh, with I don't like sales and marketing. Um, <laughs> it is, it's, just, it's just not an area that I uh, the traditional sales, I should say. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of of that because I think it does the wrong thing and it sets up, uh, you know, the opposite of this book. Uh, and that's just not what I, uh, you know, I appreciate as an individual. And then when I did sales uh, a long time ago, um, this was my philosophy was I wasn't there to sell you something. I was there to guide you to your purchasing decision. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, it, whatever you pick doesn't matter to me. Does this fit your needs? Does it fit, you know, is, is this the right size? Is this the right color? Does, you know, do, does this solve the problems you had with your previous item? Um, mm -hmm. This is the known issues with this brand or this machine or this item or whatever it may be. This, these are the, these are the known strengths of it. Um, and let you make the decision. Um, I'm just here to be your expert. I'm here to be your, your guiding light to the, to the guy. end of the tunnel. Um, and th that's really what resonates with this book is that's how I previously, uh, past life sold. Um, and that's how I kind of follow in when I advocate for, for, uh, a sales, you know, process procedure, whatever I have to do is, you know, I don't want someone to be based on a quota or, you know, commission because while an individual may not specifically 
you know, be like, you know, do bad things in order to close the sale subconsciously. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural human tendency to, to, you know, do things that may not be like, maybe you'll find a, like if you're reselling a, a desktop, right. You may spend two hours finding a cheaper model so that you can make a higher commission percentage or whatever. And that's just not a, you know, I just not a fan of that type of system. Yeah. The whole concept of, I'm, I'm going to say the word wrong, consultative selling, consultative selling, right? Yeah. Like be, a, be an educator first, right? As yep. opposed to a you know, sleazy salesperson that we all can't stand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And to Kyle's point, there's the expression, what is inspected is what is expected. So if a salesperson is commissioned on top line sales, then all they're going to focus on is getting that number, right? If there's a way to set KPIs around outcomes for your clients, ROI in that regard, it changes the conversation. So one of the things I want to bring out in the book is they talk about the big five. uh, And some of this, I think, will be a little bit controversial in this space. So I want to go through, I'm going to list the five of them, and then we're going to go through them in the opposite order, because I think that the the ones we're going to start with are obvious, but mm-hmm. less so. So here are the five. Again, we're going to go through them in opposite order. So cost. Marcus Sheridan says you should educate consumers on your cost, put it on the website, et cetera. Problems. So again, he was a pool guy. So problems, you know, you have with pools. Comparisons. How do you compare with your competitors um, or styles of product, right? The whole vinyl versus concrete pool. Reviews, honest reviews about your product, other products, and best in class. So you should educate Mm -hmm. folks on what best in class means. So we're going to start with the easy one. Should we, as managed service providers, and we should all remember, not an MSP and don't pretend to play one on TV, but should managed service providers educate their clients on what's best in class, particularly when it comes to, I think, things like cybersecurity? This is an easy answer. Anybody want to argue with? Oh, I'll argue with you because first, can we just, can we, can we we just define what best in class is? Because how I might define it will be totally different than how Kyle defines it. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) reference. Oh, I I stole Kyle's thunder. Then what's your resolution (laughs) with that? Hmm? What do you think, what do you think MSP should do if that is the question? What is best in class? Goes back to the problems and drawbacks stuff that you mentioned. Be honest that it's your opinion that this is best in class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is of my opinion and my experience that this cybersecurity product will suit the needs of you and your business. There are considered best in class, in my opinion. Right. Don't you feel like this kind of all ties together, right? So if we're saying, like you were just saying, Kyle, like, in my opinion, semantic antivirus is way better than Avast or way better than Defender or way better than Huntress. Like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. You just listed like a whole bunch of products about why you think A is better than B, which then goes to the third bullet point of comparisons. Mm -hmm. And no, I'm not advocating that semantic is a better antivirus. 
(laughs) Just an example, right? So I'm curious in the world of best in class, and I like your point of saying, in my opinion, um, Mm -hmm. the thought of aligning to standards. So with Lifecycle Insights, we watched a lot of people deliver in their business review conversations around, first they would deliver an assessment. And when we first started, we would see folks using their assessment that they built based on their stack. And over the last year, year and a half in particular, we're seeing more and more folks aligned to CIS, um, CMMC, NIST, while they already had those things in the back of their mind as they built their stack, right? That's how they built it. We are now seeing them ask the questions from the standard itself and then showing mm-hmm. how their products align to that standard so that they could say, it is not just my opinion that you should use MFA, dagnamit. <laughs> it is in fact <laughs> best practice from mm-hmm. you know, CIS, choose your um, cybersecurity standard of choice. So, what But that's a little different than... Best, uh, best yeah. practice is different than best in class. Yeah. Um, they're similar, but I w- yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say like it because now if you're referencing uh, Duo or Azure MFA yeah. at that yeah. point, I would consider that a or yeah. your services in general as you know the cybersecurity expert, right? Yeah. yeah. So then, how do you address that, or what do you think would be best practice for addressing that in terms of comparisons? So Tim, you brought that up, right? Um, how do you so- show that? Competitive analysis in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, like starting with the standard, as you suggested, it would be a good way to say somebody other than me that's a very large entity says these are the types of things you should be doing and a standard that you should be following and adhering to, blah, blah, blah. And so, when I wanted to separate and differentiate our cybersecurity practice at our MSP, I would say we would follow, you know, FedRAMP moderate equivalent. Well, people don't know what that means. So then I would have to kind of start to break that down and dumb it down with we force two-factor. And if you don't want to have two-factor on all your stuff, you're probably not a good fit for us, you know, and what is two-factor and kind of break those, you know, individual components down around. Best in class says you need to have two-factor everywhere. And there are five products that can help you. We use a myriad of those products and kind of continue that conversation on what is best in class and what is best practices that align to best in class. How do you convey that NIST or CMMC is the authority they should follow? So somebody other than me, right? A group of well, you know, established um, leaders in the space beyond just the federal government, right? Beyond just the entities that built them, right? I mean, everybody talks about NIST. It is the standard. It's literally got standard in its name. Is it the standard? Like, see, what gives so in with like HIPAA, like HIPAA is a a government, uh, you know, the government said, here is the bylaws and requirements you have to follow. 
And it's under, you know, I can go to anybody and say, you're a healthcare provider, you have to follow HIPAA standards. Here is the best in class products, best practices for HIPAA standards. But if if I go to someone and say, here's the NIST standard, what's like, why should they listen to NIST or CMMC or anything like that? So what I think I heard you just do was ask a question that I should answer on my website. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly what he just did. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And I you think ask, I'll answer. <laughs> to to uh, Kyle's point that um, while there are different flavors, they all, I mean, the, the language is comparable, but not the same. I feel like same, but different. Um, right. They all address every single one of them has MFA in some regard on there. So, I mean, I think most folks feel comfortable with any of the three that at least that I've mentioned, um, CMMC, CIS or, or NIST, but you should. I think you should also point out there are multiple versions of this. They all do mm -hmm. align, right? And if you feel there are gaps, you could identify what those gaps are. Uh, more to the point, it is, I mean, there are so many cross-reference documents on how they all align. I don't think there are many business owners who are looking for managed services that are going to go compare each of them. But when Google is your oyster and you can go do such a thing, right, you should be able mm -hmm. to have that that explanation at your fingertips. Why did you pick NIST, right? Well, <laughs> you know, we typically have these types of clients and that industry aligns to this language X, Y, or Z. I don't know the answer to that, right? But I think it's right. also important to answer the unasked question as well, because if I go to a business owner and say, we follow NIST, they don't understand what I just said. They're yeah, like, yeah. Nest, isn't that a Google product? Uh, probably in their head. They don't say that out loud. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, I think, you know, in going to this point in sales and marketing, you know, they ask you answer is sometimes you answer before they ask uh, without them asking as well. So I think mm -hmm. that's an important takeaway. So it really does. And, and I think Tim or Chris, you mentioned this earlier, you're almost objection handling before the objections come in. Exactly. Right. Like that's yeah. the whole point of asking what problems you could have. So if this company, if Marcus Sheridan's company is trying to sell vinyl pool liners, he for sure should say, like, I I heard vinyl pool liners can tear. Mm -hmm. Right. Because he's got he's going to have to defeat that in the sales process. So to educate folks on like you should ask the company what their callback rate is on like, how often are you repairing your liners? What's the average period of time before that happens, right? And he, he puts all of that out there. And then if somebody's not prepared to answer that, and I'm curious about this question, how do you see answering that question differentiates him or could differentiate your business, right? If you, if you stuck an objection out there that your competitors don't put out there, how does that help you win? It's also a different uh, like handling of the objection most right. will not answer it and kind of brush it off if it's a, a negative trait about their business um mm -hmm. whereas you're referring to outright coming and being open and honest and transparent which is what he wants in the book and i right. fully agree with that um you know going you know if we talk about pool liners yeah one of the most common problems is tearing of the vinyl and that's a horrible situation here are some ways to mitigate that um 
if you decide to go with a vinyl pool, you should do these, these, this, 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 and this. And we have a, you know, if mm -hmm. I'm not talking to someone, we have a video on this as well. You can help, you know, when you, we can help educate you with that. But um, most yeah. people, when it comes with a negative trait, just don't acknowledge it to the extent to what they need to. They just kind of, uh, they address it, they brush it aside, and they move you on to something else because that's what they're taught to do. Well, there's a level of trust and transparency and being able to admit one's faults, quote, quote, right? And being able to say, hey, listen, I don't do this really well. You know, some of my competitors do it far better than I do, but this is the direction that we're going in, or this is how we solve for that problem differently, right? And so it brings that level of like trust and transparency to like, yeah, I'm not the perfect whatever. And when you compare us to you know Google, AWS, whoever, of course, they're a you know multi-billion dollar like being able to just be and have that level of honest and transparency, I think people can respect that. That was one of the key takeaways for me was in relation to the competition part in particular. Like for for me specifically, I have two real big competitors. One is a specific company, Thread, that does a lot of mm -hmm. the same thing I do. The other one is inertia, just uh, you know, resistance of adopting this kind of technology in the first place. So uh, one of the big things that is is good for, for me is to answer questions about, well, isn't chat going to be a problem that, you know, my, my techs are going to be trying to deal with all day long and it's going to be distracting and things. Answering general questions about the the approach of using chat as a communication tool uh helps me solve a lot of my problems so and it actually helps in terms of competition answering those types of questions uh it doesn't matter uh any success mm -hmm. that my competitors have and, and i have helps us both in that sense exactly. and just answering the general questions about the the issues with the approach mm -hmm. and that goes right back to the consultative, did I say it right? Consulting selling goes back to the ed ed education selling. <laughs> and also I would say it supports customer success in the long term. So one of the things that uh, we, they ask you answer was one of the five books that we always made our customer success team read um, when <clears throat> the team, we wanted them to understand that transparency is key all the way through the life cycle of working with us. Um, and so we didn't have salespeople. We only had customer success folks. Uh, and, and sometimes they ended up doing prospect calls. But for sure, we had many conversations around and we knew well what our competitors did. And we would say, you know, if they want this, you should send them to that competitor because that is their unique, you know, piece. If they have Apple devices that they need warranty lookups for, we can't do that. You need to send them there because they're going to be unhappy. And people would be shocked on calls where they would say, you know, who are your competitors? And I would list the, the five competitors and where they were strong and then where we were strong. And they often said, like, I nobody else will even admit you exist or whatever, right? Like they didn't even want to list other competitors. So I think this helps in the sales cycle in a lot of ways, but also if you've been transparent up front and said, we don't have that, we're never going to have that, you have happier customers because you're weeding out the ones that aren't good fits. And that's part of it as well, right? Kyle, that's why 
you know, like the, the gross sales because any to like, sometimes any, any nail looks like uh, you need a hammer for a tool, mm -hmm. right. Or whatever that mm -hmm. expression if is. If all the tools you have are a hammer, everything looks everything like a nail. Looks, thank you. That's right. the one I was like, there's a hammer nail one that I like. Um, but that's not true. If you're open and honest about your strengths and your weaknesses, you get the right fit customer that's going to grow more customers in terms of customer success. So I think they ask you answer is important well beyond the sales cycle. Um, but while we're on sales, I want to talk about the one that I think is the most persnickety for this audience. Correct me if I'm wrong. What about posting cost? Go. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an interesting thing. Um, so am I, in your question, am I posting my cost or am I looking at a vendor who's posting my price? I believe he's talking about posting price. Yeah. The the cost to the end customer. Um, as an MSP, that is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, as a vendor, it's a little easier to calculate, but as a services-based company, all we do are services. My costs are negligible. Um, like in a bigger company, they'd consider it a rounding error sometimes. Um, it, just because you know the products we use it's sub ten dollars for the whole stack for a single computer and then we're selling it for 180 dollars user 200 dollars 250 whatever it may be um that's not going to translate well like that's just people are just going to be upset um but where the benefit is the time and labor costs which vary based on the type of work we're doing who's doing the work and you know depending on the calculations for that so I understand uh, the premise of it. However, it doesn't fit to every industry or business. Well, putting the MSP hat on here for a second, wait, let's do that. Um, <laughs> right, so. I've joined a lot of calls with a lot of MSPs and rarely. <laughs> rarely, <laughs> not never, rarely. And, and so, <laughs> and so, I mean, I can't think of any MSP of my competitors or those that I've talked to that list pricing on their website, period. However, I can think of every single MSP as a vendor that's asked me, why isn't pricing on your website? So now it goes back to pricing or cost because cost is different than pricing. Now, if I'm okay with listing price on my website so that those looking at my website understand what my cost per user or per device is, and I, I would love to be able to access your website and understand what my cost is because it's an information gathering step. However, yep. if you were to list the cost, the price and the cost, uh, that'd be an interesting uh, information mm -hmm. just for the data nerd in me would be like, Hmm, I wonder what people's margins are, right? Just for curiosity's sake, like I understand, you know, at the core, I think most people understand people have to make money. Um, and, you know, e even in the haggle businesses where you go and haggle, like they're not going to go below a specific amount uh, right? because th they have to make money. They have to have some <clears throat> pricing, right? But if they list pricing on their website, I think that's a fair assessment. And I understand the reason why people do that. I don't think costs... Well, yeah, and I think I do think he was talking mainly pricing, like for the the end, the consumer should be able to see 
like what, not what's a what's a hundred square foot a, pool gonna cost right you? yeah how much is a pool it depends well of course we know it depends right of course right. but to give some guidelines um i always think the bracketing conversation of folks that look like you know that whose businesses look like this we can typically support in a range of twenty five hundred to six thousand dollars a month right that was one of the things mm -hmm. I liked about the book is he, he he was kind of upfront about the fact that the answer to, you know, what does it cost to get a pool is it depends, but giving them the, the starting point of like, it's going to cost you at least this much. Yeah, so right. if it's, if you only have $20,000 and it's going to cost you $50,000, then, then there's no point in having this conversation. Well, and um, exactly. to his point, you might as well eliminate that prospect right out of the exactly. gate. Exactly. You get to they're gonna get, get a pool for twenty thousand dollars. It does no value. You're wasting everybody's time. Right. I could finance get to, it. Get to know <laughs> faster, right? As they say. Let's say if all you have is twenty thousand dollars and you're thinking of financing a pool, I would like to talk to you about your business decisions as <laughs> your um, financial planning mm -hmm. strategy right. in general. <laughs> I mean, people finance cars they can't afford all the time. Also, <laughs> although you could get a car for twenty grand, I will say that. Uh, <laughs> they should have a chat. So the the interesting part for me as a vendor, now that I'm kind of in that space, is since we're channel only, you know, not putting out what it's going to cost Kyle, for example, as an MSP per month. And so first and foremost, like having a button on the website that says pricing that leads you to a form to request it, I think is, is just gross, right? So either have something that discusses cost and return on investment or put the price there, but don't ever just have a thing that says pricing with a form to request it. I think that's just- I don't know, it depends. Uh, if that form goes to a meeting to set up with someone, then yes, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah. But if it's like, mm -hmm. because I understand the aspect when some products may not be white labeled or there's like consulting services uh, tied to the, the business itself and not having pricing on that to protect uh, the MSP. That's right that is important and i understand that but allowing me to access it um without having call. yeah without having <laughs> to schedule a meeting or you know have a situation like that um you know that's going to be spam you five times a week and call you twice a week if you fill out this <laughs> so, oh, yeah we're, exactly we're we're literally in the you know, process of rebuilding our website and rebranding and all of that stuff. And, you know, the, the marketing companies, you got to have a pricing page. And I'm like, not really. I actually am trying to approach it a little differently. And, you know, I hear the pricing question all the time when I'm on a one-on-one -on -one like that, it's easy enough to answer, but the broader prospect, like in the book, if you ain't got 20 grand to buy a pool, you probably shouldn't be buying a pool. So one of the things that I'm looking to try to do a little differently is tell me, you know, give me like your margins, give me like a little ROI calculator on instead of a pricing plan that says, here's how much you can make. Here's how you can operationalize it. And then if you actually want, what is it going to cost you? Yeah, then reach out. But coming at it from a different perspective of, once you operationalized whatever it is that you're doing, plug in a few numbers and you can see, hey, you can make $20 a month or $5,000 a month, as opposed to here's the price list, which, as Kyle pointed out, 
if if one of Kyle's customers comes to the website and says, "Hey, you're you're only it's only costing you twenty bucks a month, but you're charging me five thousand, that's a problem. So, in what you just referenced, I would go to your website and type in my margins fifteen percent, and then you would spit out a number, which I'm assuming is your cost plus fifteen percent. Well, no, because there's other factors that I would have in the. I, actually have this whole ROI calculator that I built in Excel to help you, but I'm trying to figure out how to put that, make that web enabled. But I'm, we're getting into the weeds of that kind of stuff, but. No, I mean, it's it's an interesting idea. Uh, I don't know if that helps me um, because I, you know, I could, math is a beautiful language. Uh, you can yeah. just reverse engineer it um, and get the actual cost, uh, mm -hmm. but. Like I just, well, if, if you want specifics, number of clients, the margin, your hourly rate that you tend to charge for the work, I know what the work is going to take. So the math behind the scenes is it's going to be three hours of labor per month or whatever. Yes, you can reverse engineer all that and get to it and figure it out but i'm trying to just have a completely different approach and i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm just wrong but it's, it's an interesting the, i'd have to see it i guess i'm saying um i don't know that i don't so, so, as a consumer you know i know we're, we're kind of tangenting a little bit here but as a consumer right. looking for a vendor i don't know that i would fill all that out uh just because i'm if i'm shopping around and looking at potentials to have a conversation with um right adding a whole bunch of you know you know doing math formulas on a website is not something i'm would be tend to do unless i'm past the initial phase of i like right. what i see let's let's proceed further right and the other part of the conversation i think we talked about earlier which is where the i think barney you said bracketing or or the book even talked about like for as low as twenty thousand dollars or you should expect to spend some number right and like take i don't know it's it's certainly as a vendor that does not want to put your cost on the website without a conversation or without something first to verify yes you are an msp and not one of your end customers that's really what i've been trying to protect is you know, one of your customers coming to the website because as an msp it happened to me Sure. I was yeah. uh, I was I was selling security awareness training and the management of that and you know all of that stuff and you know the customer went to the website and was like you're charging me seven dollars per user and I can buy it for five I'm going to dump your training and buy it direct from them for five so it's happened to me as an MSP so the pricing conversation at least as a vendor it's something that I've been struggling with for months. No as one's going to be happy. Yeah, I know. And as an MSP, I have never seen an MSP put pricing on their website. No, oh, I'd, I'd do it. I don't have that authority, but I'd do it. <laughs> right. I And I, I <clears throat> appreciate when companies do put pricing. And with I'm with Kyle. I will absolutely not work with a company that makes me jump on a call to find out pricing. 
I will. Yeah, I mean, lifecycle life cycle always had their pricing on their website. We did, but we also weren't sell through, right? So nobody was upcharging lifecycle insights to their end client. They were using it. For I it. was. So we, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, they were, but not as a, nobody recognized that it was a line item. Um, yeah, we always wanted to be very transparent. It's certainly when you don't have any salespeople um, and need, you know, what's termed product led growth. Um, that the product's got to sell itself, then the transparency there, I think, is mm -hmm. uh, was is kind of critical. So I'm curious if there's anything from those big five, and uh, I'll scroll up from my notes and read them again. <coughs> but it was cost, problems, comparisons, reviews, and best in class. Is there one of those things that as you read the book, you thought, we can do better at this and I'm going to do better at this. Like my usual, are you going to assign yourself any homework from this? Which are those big five? Chris, I feel like, you're like you smirked like, all right, am I going to give myself homework or do I just yeah. like the idea? No, no, I, I have given myself homework um, specifically like reviews. I, I need to have a better, there isn't enough information on my site or on other locations about the happy customers that I have, you know, and, and I need to, to work on that. Um, uh, the pricing, I was the only thing, I mean, I, I stink at inbound marketing just in general, like it's, it's just not, I'm not good at it and I need to work on all of these aspects, but pricing was the one that I was like, okay, I do that. I do that. Right. I've got pricing. I've got two numbers. They're on the site and every, and customers really respond well to that for me, but, but homework reviews, I, I want to, I need to get, some customer testimonials out there. Okay, good. Tim, how about you? Any homework? No, yeah. And we've been working on it actually, which is the comparison stuff, right? We, I frequently get, well, I get the same question all the time against two or three other, you know, perceived competitors. And it's a perceived, not an actual, right? Because we're doing different stuff. And so I answer that several times a week. writing an article so, on that and hubspot sort of known for it right if you search literally any other crm it will pop up hubspot versus and hubspot mm -hmm. has written an article so they become the authority on <laughs> right and that's literally what i've been doing is starting to formulate that stuff compliance scorecard versus i'll yeah. pick on service now because that's the behemoth sure yeah, and tell the difference. Kyle, how about you? Any homework for yourself? Um, so I, like I said, I try to stay as far away from sales and marketing as I can in my day job. However, uh, in my <laughs> off hours where I am vice president of MSP Geek and run MSP GeekCon, uh, that hat is forced upon me in order to... Small teams, everybody yeah, knows all uh, I do all of these things. Yeah. Um, however, not everything is public, uh, which I'm, I guess is just a lack of needing to make it like, it's just like, cause I, if anybody asks like for MSP Geekon, if a sponsor comes in and says, Hey, I'm looking to sponsor your event. My first question is cool. Or my first statement is cool. This is what we're targeting. It's not business owners. They don't have money. They don't have, you know, they can't sign the checks. Uh, you know, is this something you're still interested in? You know, I'm happy to, and yeah. you know 
and if, if we get into an ROI conversation, I, I'm like, well, most vendors have said they have a good ROI. I don't, you know, everyone measures ROI differently. I'm happy to put you in touch with some vendors who said that um, if you'd like. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I give a, the full, I become an open book about the event and the conference because I don't want you to give me money and be unhappy. Well, without... it's the customer success thing for you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd rather you go give money to someone else. Um, and you know, feel like you, you made value because, uh, you know, the MSP geeks, you know, goal is a rising tide raises all ships, you know, anything that furthers the growth of the, and the so, progress of the MSP industry I'm in for. So I'll challenge you there a little bit, Kyle. So mm -hmm. you said you're doing some of this work. You have a lot of the questions answered, but it's quote, not public. So why is it not public? It's never, <laughs> right. Is it's never really something that has occurred to put public. Like it's like I have the goal was to I have vendor testimonials from last year, and the goal was to put that on the website. It just never happened. We, you know, other stuff got prioritized, um, you know, higher up. But you know, I, I, it, it's with a small team. I have to, you know, what goes where. It wasn't more important, but you know, anytime. A, a vendor who hasn't been to our event or who has questioned, you know, I have given them all of, I've given them the book of knowledge to the best of my ability and answered any questions I could. Um, but yeah, it's just not something that I've like, I have no problems making it public. It's just a thought that never occurred to me. Interesting. Plus I like to, to build the relationship when I'm having a conversation with someone uh, <laughs> because generally they've seen our public call. Cause I put the, costing for the event and you know everything that's terms and conditions out here have it you know this is what we do this is the event let me know if you have also questions. hard to argue with your success of it right it's hard to say yeah. like well oh, we should do three hundred thousand new things when you've already been really successful right it's just, <clears throat> the impetus to try kind of drive new things is is not always the same when you're really successful at what you have and you have been transparent Right. Like having been a vendor that worked with you last year, you were happy to share all of those pieces unquestionably. Right. So it was, and it, that being brand new last year, I certainly didn't have an expectation of like, why doesn't he have a whole website of all of this? Especially because you're really accessible mm -hmm. to get the answer. So I think yeah. there, like, you can only do so many things. Right. Um, and eating the elephant one bite at a time, I think the important elephant bite to take. For sure is having the information <clears throat> share and then obviously marcus sheridan would say get it out there and he got it out there fairly quickly he did not spend a lot of time on nine different technologies with fancy backgrounds and this <clears throat> and the other, right he just would pick up a camera and answer it or type a blog post and get it out there just ask the question get it done um and um, then yeah go ahead that's that's the the plan like we wanted to have a whole vendor section with our vendor testimonials um i mean we even had some vendors who were like yeah you know we've had some staff turnover and so and so our new you know marketing chief uh person doesn't necessarily see the roi that we'd like to see and um so we're we've decided not to sponsor this year and i'm like oh that's great uh, is there anything we can do better um because it's not like i understand you know, this yeah. is a business. We you are giving yeah. us money to get leads, and yeah. the way we give you leads is different than most other events. Yeah. And we want to make sure that what we're doing is what we feel is fair, uh, and that what you feel is fair, right? It's a it's a 
the uh, symbiotic relationship here. You know, we want to put on education. You're allowing us to do that by sponsoring. And that's something that's important to us. Yeah. And you're authentic about that and true to like your core values, which I think is critical. Um, Before we wrap up, I'm curious if anybody has heard of or read any other books similar to this one. If folks loved, they ask you answer and thought like, oh, you should also check this out. Yeah, I have one. I mean, success isn't about the wins and losses. It's about helping those fellas best be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wait a minute. I feel like I'm right. <laughs> right. Ted. And that little that that little quote is from a new book that just came out called uh what is it called, Marnie? I'll lead it like lasso. <laughs> there you go. And so um, so I would certainly reference that at least, but there are a couple of other books that I might consider uh, that kind of relate. And one of them, shit, what the heck is the title? It's something about crucial conversations, something conversations. I think it's crucial called Crucial. Is, is the name of a book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's the one that I kind of had in my, uh, kind of up next in my Audible was Crucial Conversations. Once I'm done with Lead It Like Lasso. <laughs> Chris, how about you? Any any books come to mind? You said you've only read three, so you probably don't have a big library sitting behind. Yeah, you. I'm I'm following everybody else's lead on this one, um, although I am enjoying my copy. Oh, so, you got a copy uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, how about you? Uh, I I do have one to mention, but since everyone's talking about Lead It Like Lasso, did I see an ad for you to be on a TV show? Yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> I mean, you need to live on the Eastern Shore of Maryland or oh, you know, right. Marva, but still, that's kind of fun. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the only book I would recommend is Raving Fans. Um, like I said, Raving I try to stay away from sales and marketing <laughs> stuff because it's just not my niche, although this is a little different. Um, but Raving Fans is similar in its nature it's with its open and upfront and transparency and yeah. doing the things that need to be done to build raving fans. And that's the one I'd recommend, although most people have probably read it. It is what I mean. we last month on here. <laughs> so you, you definitely should. Um, so building a story brand is the other yes. one that, um, so that is by Donald Miller. Uh, and the subtitle of it is clarify your message. So customers will listen, but Donald Miller does a great job of helping folks make their partners the hero in their story um and i think that is a that is a good one for any company that's really trying to get their messaging right that is so my daughter is a marketing major she's now graduated but when she was in school i sent i said here's my here's my amazon account go buy you know send yourself a copy of this book and you can send it to your best friend who's doing marketing as well you need to learn this so i think that's a really good one to include. Um, mm-hmm. So speaking I think of another one, just to, to cut you off uh, on that same line is uh, start with why by Simon Sinek. Oh, that's one of my all time. Uh, that has why, the same, find your why. Yeah. Yep. That start, that has that same connotation as, you know, yeah. you, you start with why you do stuff and that's going, you know, most people lead with why and how uh, or uh, how and what you do, um, but not with why you do it. I always say if they believe in your why, they'll buy your what. Um, yep. And I think, frankly, Kyle, MSP Geek does a really great job of that. 
Um, oh, so I good. feel like props to you on that um, because I think you make it, I think that is where you're very clear of what your why is. And so it, it feels very transparent and it's easy to buy from you because you know, like, yeah, that they're, they are delivering on this and we know that. Um, and I think you've seen success because of that. Um, so while we're on books, I want to announce the next one. So we put a poll out and the next book will be Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. Um, I, uh, I have it on my desk. I haven't started it yet. His last book is one that I had on Audible. And then I had to go buy the actual book because I wanted to take notes Break in notes. it. Yep. I'm a super fan of Adam Grant. Um, and I'm excited to dive into hidden potential. I've already had people on LinkedIn call me out and say, tell me when you're doing hidden potential. We want to, you know, I want to. And I literally it. just added it to my audible library. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So, um, any last minute, um, comments, questions, complaints, criticisms, or thoughts on the ask you answer as we head out the door. Um, I, I just, I really liked the, uh, the, the message about that you can't dictate the buying process for for uh, for a customer, and that 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 conversational marketing um, it, it 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 really registered with me. That uh, it's that's really about letting letting them dictate the buying process and 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 letting them self direct. I think the mm -hmm. uh, the thing that really it, it it's about building trust relationships, regardless if they're a customer or not. Have you know? So if you're honest and open and transparent, people will begin to trust what you say and people will begin to understand and connect with you on, uh, a, you know, a really good level. And they will seek you out for advice and questions, even if they don't actually buy anything from you. And uh, there have been instances where I've had this situation where people have I've referred people to competition and referred people to other places where it makes more sense for them to spend their money. And they have referred other people to me <laughs> uh, and uh, even though I didn't buy anything, you know, referrals is, you know, one of the best ways to get business, you know, and they've referred people even though they haven't bought anything. And I think that is, you know, the ultimate key is getting people who aren't customers to refer you. Tim, any well, you know, yeah, I mean, taking on, you know, they ask you answer and being able to actually, you know, put it out there and answer the challenge, right? I mean, it's kind of like riding a horse, isn't it? I mean, if you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. You have all the Ted Lasso quotes. I like it. I believe that is correct. <laughs> so yeah, as I always say every week and our team, Tim, is start something. Start now. Do something. Start now, yep. right? 100%. Absolutely. Well, Will we be meeting again before the end of the year? So I'll let everybody vote. Th that is a weird one because we would be the Friday, the day before the Friday before New Year's. So I think we will push it into January. <laughs> All right. Makes sense. So everybody, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever, all of those celebrations oh. that you all do. I am very excited because I get to celebrate with my first ever granddaughter. Brand new granddaughter. Very yeah. Cool. Awesome. That's so, I get to play with all the toys. <laughs> <laughs> At the outset, they're not necessarily great ones. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. At least I can't break them. <laughs>
Please don't. Well, I hope everybody does have a great holiday. Um, for sure, I'll be doing some little mini bits about books along the way, um, since we're not going to have <laughs> episode at the end of this month. Um, but you will be seeing things out on the interweb. So we will see you all there. Thank you. Get your copy. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.